Today on Locked On Canadians, a special crossover edition. That was certainly a game that happened. Um, there's not a whole lot uh, that's fun about it. But what I decided to do was have a fun co-host. So we, we're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about each other's teams and rebuilds with the wonderful J.D. Young of Locked On Sharks on today's Locked On Canadians. Our Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 736 of Locked On Canadians. And thank you for making us your first listen of the day, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and today I am joined for a special crossover by the wonderful J.D. Young of Locked On Sharks. Because here's the thing, I knew Scott was going to be away, and I knew this game was going to be awful. It was going to be terrible. So I was like, how do I make this episode fun? Uh, and our dear, dear friend, J.D., who's always standing up for us and always there for us, uh, agreed to agreed to come in and, and take Scott's place today. And uh the game was actually worse than I expected it to be. <laughs> How are you doing today? Uh, I've been uh, in prepping. I've been chugging uh, Monster Energy drinks all day just to <laughs> try to, you know, uh, mimic Scott as much as I possibly can. Uh, but alas, it's it's not working. So yeah. And then you drove directly into a snowstorm in a state of emergency. <laughs> yes, because uh, all the snow I have here, it's yeah, it's definitely definitely an issue with that. So. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this game. As much as I don't want to, I think it's important to kind of... <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I don't. It was 4-0. The Canadians couldn't get anything going. Um, they had like four, roughly 4 million power plays awarded to them and they couldn't make anything happen. Uh, but I'm curious about the Sharks because this is a thing, like we're friends, we talk about this every day. And the impression that I had was that the Sharks were literally the worst team in the league. And I have to say for stretches, I believed you guys, but <laughs> they do have... They do have sneaky offensive skills so why don't you tell me a little bit about how that's been going because as a Canadians fan I think honestly like it's weird because they're both kind of they're trying for a new draft pick but like every time I look at the Sharks I feel like can't relate yeah I mean for the Sharks it's weird because they they have been offensively kind of better than I expected this year and that's been mainly because of their top guys like Eric Carlson, uh, Tomas Hurdle, Timo Meyer, Logan Gator. These guys have been driving the offense for them and they haven't been getting too, too much secondary scoring. But when, you know, Logan Gator has got 13 goals this season, which I didn't expect to see coming this early in the season. You know, uh, Eric Carlson's got 12, Tomas Hurdle or Tomas Hurdle's got like seven now. Then Timo Meyer has 12. They've been making up the bulk of the offense. What's been the issue for the Sharks is, the goaltending and everything on the blue line, not named Eric Carlson. And so they've actually been getting into a lot of fun, high scoring games for the most part. But tonight's game was Capo Kekin's easily his best performance in Teal. His first shutout uh, since the Sharks acquired him. And it's, he's been kind of a, an issue for the Sharks all season. And they've been having to rely on James Reimer night in and night out. And Capo Kekin, every time he's out there, he's been giving out soft goals, just not looked himself. But tonight, he, he looks great for some reason against the Canadians. 
And Jake Allen really, really did not. I mean, admittedly, the rhythm of that game was very weird. There was a 19-minute stretch <laughs> across two periods uh, during which Jake Allen saw no shots. Uh, so you know, Sharks it, hockey. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying, right? Like sometimes yeah. it's like I believe you when they when you say they're as bad as as they say you are, and then sometimes it's like well, they just you know skated circles around some guy and and in red. So you know, I think with with Jake Allen, he's he's played above his his level uh, for the for, I would say the first half of his starts. And then he's come crashing back to earth. And, and he, he did recently have a child. Like he's got a newborn at home and stuff like that. Like I'm confident that he can find his game again, but I think that he's really struggling right now. He's having that slump. Uh, so that's definitely something that costs the Canadians, but also the power play. I mean, JD, I need to ask you, have you seen such a bad power play in your years of watching hockey? Yes. Have How you watched the it? Ducks power play? It is worse than this. I've, <laughs> it's the Ducks, worse? The Ducks power play is the worst part. I mean, the Sharks penalty kill is, it's elite. It's the best in the NHL. And it's been good for the past couple of years. That's one of the few things that has carried over uh, from the Bob Bugner era to the David Quinn era. The Sharks penalty kill is really good. And they play a very aggressive style. You know, they, they try to make whoever the puck carrier, they try to make them kind of think on their feet before and, you know, not get too settled. And they've been great with that style. Um, but no, this isn't the worst. Uh, when you guys play the Ducks, that power play, it, it does not make sense, especially when you have Trevor Zegers on the ice. Like that power play is god awful. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, right? Like in Montreal, yeah. you've got Nick Suzuki, you've got Cole Caulfield, you've got, uh, you know, you've got even Slavkovsky. I think he counts, you know, he's, 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 yeah. he's their first overall pick. Um, and they can't they can't make things happen. And and the thing that I think is really interesting about what you said, like if you, it, like literally four minutes ago, you said everyone on their blue line not named Eric Carlson isn't good. And then you turn around and their their penalty kill is really good. So I do feel like there's a way to kind of utilize players where like you really, really put them in positions of their strength, even if they're not good at literally anything else. I think it's really, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting way. So I feel like coaching in itself, like I think coaching can kind of cover up a lot of ills. So I'm going to ask you this before we turn, turn it over to uh, our next segment about rebuilding. Uh, what has the David Quinn era been like so far? I mean, I know the Sharks don't have... Uh, the most elite of personnel on the ice. What about the, what about behind the bench? How's it how's it been so far? I've actually been pleasantly surprised with David Quinn, and there was a lot of you know hullabaloo about when they hired him, you know, especially with his time with the Rangers and how he handled young players and you know benching and not putting these guys in positions to succeed. But you've seen, I mean, the Sharks they are we'll talk about this in a rebuild, but they are going a very very slow. Uh, approach with their their young guys and making them kind of earn it but so we haven't had to really kind of deal with that yet you know so guys like William Eklund and Thomas Bordalo haven't even sniffed the NHL this season but what he's done with the kind of the veterans I think he's he's brought some life into them and brought a new system right and the Sharks power play you know David Quinn can coach up a power play you saw that with his time with the Rangers where their kind of formula was we're going to hang in there at five on five, but our special teams are going to beat you. And you're kind of seeing that again with the sharks, right? Where five on five, you might get caved in, but our special teams are going to be beat your special teams. I know the sharks didn't score on the power play tonight, but their power play, I thought looked a lot better than the Canadians power play. And the sharks power play is actually in the month of November heading into this game was actually the uh, eighth best power play in the entire NHL just in the month of November. So you can see his influence there. And again, 
They have can you come and fix ours. <laughs> do you like your children to play? That's the one question that you have to. <laughs> you have to ask we do, yourself. and we are going to get that in a second. But let me let let me let yeah. you finish your thought. <laughs> yeah. So he he's brought some new life to it. And I think that what he did was he figured out who his five guys are. So you have Eric Carlson, you have Tomas Hurdle, Timo Meyer, Logan Couture, and then Alexander Barabanov. And he says, you guys just go out there and cook for 90 seconds or two minutes. If Eric Carlson, you want to play the full two minutes. If you're, if the power play's cooking, go out there and play. And I think that's what he's done is allowed these guys to kind of trust each other, especially these guys who've been playing together for such a long time. You know, out of that group, Barabanov's the newest guy and he's been here for two seasons, right? These guys have all played with each other for a long time. And he's just allowing these guys to go out there they're your best players and he puts them in a position to go out there and just try to score a goal. And they've been very good at that so far this year. And honestly, it's, it's fun to see things work out like that, like where you trust players and they make the right decisions. So we're going to talk a little bit about equipping your players in order to be able to trust them when your team trends towards becoming a contender, because as we know, the sharks are in a rebuild, the Canadians are in a rebuild. We're going to compare that and we're going to talk a little bit uh, about, you know, some rebels that might not have gone as well as we like fans would have wanted. It's, it's going as well as I wanted to. And that's all coming up in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. It's literally all there. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at betonline.net. I mean, the World Cup is going on right now. Like that, That's definitely worth checking out. And if you love sports podcasts, which I know you do because you're listening to this one, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline where the game starts and let's start this game well i mean let's start talking about the rebuild because i know <laughs> i know jd in preparation for this game you did you compared the sharks rebuild and the habs rebuild and you did that and and i, I want to like kind of discuss that a little bit because the last time we had you on it was like what do we expect when we know our team is going to be bad and our mm -hmm. team has been better than we expected right whereas like you said that you you said that you bet that the Sharks would finish lower in the rankings, lower in the standings than the Canadians would. And so far, that bet is looking pretty good. Yes. <laughs> As of tonight, though, a little a little worried about, but I'm still feeling pretty good about that that one, yes. So I mean, you're not going to play the Canadians' power play every night. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have the Ducks still coming up some more, so yes, that's fine. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about this because you made a really interesting point before we started recording. And I want to kind of bring in uh, our neighbors across the Utaway uh, and the Ottawa Senators, right? It's interesting because we talked about their offseason. We talked about, you know, the value in, in what they did with their young players. And here they are not winning games. I repeat, the Ottawa Senators do not win games. So they did lose what... to the Sharks. So that is. <laughs> So what in your mind, I think like, you know, you made a really interesting observation, so I don't want to take your point away from you, but like, let's talk a little bit about how this is going and the lessons that our teams can learn from what the Ottawa Senators did not do right. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, I think it's early to say that they didn't do it right. I mean, cause that, that team is 
very loaded with talent. You know, you look at Tim Stuchel, who might be the best player in that class, right? You know, they, they traded for um, Alex Dabrinkit. They got uh, Josh Norris, uh, RIP, uh, from the Sharks and the, the Eric Carlson. Like, they, I think they went about it the right way and trying to acquire as much talent as possible. And they let their kids run free, and that's fine. But you wonder if now they're they're struggling to you know kind of learn to win games and going from rebuilding to trying to contend right away without having some veterans around to like show you hey this is the way you do things type of things right and you know we'll, we'll talk about the canadians and the sharks version of, of how they're kind of doing this too but like you know you look at it right now that this the the sense team is struggling you know they they just they lack kind of cohesion Everyone just kind of seems to be doing their own thing. You know, I, the, they played the Sharks a, a couple, you know, last week, and that game wasn't even close. I mean, the Sharks just ran circles around that, uh, around the Sens. And you wonder, they, they just don't have a guy. I mean, I know Claude Giroux is there, but he just got there, what, two months ago? They don't have a guy who can kind of set the culture and be like, okay, guys, this is, this is how you win games and kind of learn how to win games. And guys who've been there before, maybe guys who've been through the playoffs and kind of all that stuff. They just don't, they don't have that guy who's been around for them for a while. And what I think is interesting about the Canadians is you kind of have a, a nice mixture, right? You have, you have your first line guys who are established, right? You're uh, Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Kirby Doc. Th those are going to be your guy, your next core for the next, hopefully 10 plus years. Right. But you still have a lot of guys who are on the team who've kind of been through it. Right. Josh Anderson. I know he's, we love Josh Anderson on this podcast, um, but you know, he, he went through a Stanley cup final and I know like call these, some of these young guys, but like they've been around a little bit and they've played meaningful hockey games and like Edmondson, right. Edmondson's yeah. a great example. You know, they've been around, they kind of, they know what they're doing. Right. And no moment is going to be too big for those guys. So when expectations start to rise for the, the Canadians here, hopefully next year, you know, all these guys kind of start to make that next leap. Slavkovsky, you know, his second year, he kind of makes that, you know, expect to make a big jump next year. You have, you know, Caulfield who now actually has a coach who puts him in a right position to succeed. You expect, you know, they have guys that they can turn to when maybe things aren't going well, right? We know Cole Caulfield, potential 40, 50 goal scorer, but he's going to have slumps where, you know, five, six games, I haven't found the back of the net. Cool. I have somebody to turn to. I can talk to. Okay. What do I do? Type of thing. So, and with the Sharks, they're going a slow as molasses uh, type of, of situation, right? Mike Greer, he made a point to go out and fill the bottom six with a bunch of just NHL guys. Nobody to write home about, you know, Luke Cunning, Oscar Lindblom, Nico Sturm. These guys have been around for a couple of years, right? William Eklund, Thomas Bordalo, like Tristan Robbins, kind of their, their picks. Go play in the AHL, and then when you are ready to take a job, you can come take a job. So I'm just curious to see how these three kind of rebuilds, how they kind of their their ends come together here. I guess is the best. I don't know the best way to put it, but yeah, how do, how do they turn out? Right. Right. Absolutely. And the thing is that obviously I'm I'm taking shots at Ottawa uh, <laughs> gratuitously because I'm, I'm trying to be nice. So yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can see that. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's it's true that they are loaded with talent. That's the thing. So like most of the time, when you've got that much talent and you don't have the results, there's a couple of things. And the Canadians saw that last year. They saw both things happen. And I think the Ottawa Senators are finding it. And again, like last year's Canadians were nowhere near as talented as you know some of these guys in in, in Ottawa right now. But there's 
a vacuum, a leadership vacuum, that veteran presence that you talked about, there mm -hmm. is a vacuum. And I think it's really interesting because you and I both are very numbers minded. We're both analytics people. Yes. Uh, but this is something that is undeniable, that that lack of leadership is definitely missing. And when you have lack of leadership and also lack of good coaching, like that's a huge problem. Like I don't think the senator's coaching is good. Like it's it's literally like I I, I don't understand why he hasn't been fired yet, right? <laughs> um, but in terms of Montreal, like last year they lacked that leadership, they lacked that coaching, and then they switched out the coaching, and the coaching in that interim brought that leadership that was missing. Like that void was filled by you know Martin Saint Louis, and I think. It's very interesting that you say, you know, like the Canadians have like a bit of a mix. Obviously, everybody in this market wants all the veterans traded for good young stars. But yeah. you can't rush that, right? Yeah. You do need you do need people to kind of shepherd, right? Like people talk about every time we criticize David Savard, people talk about, you know, he's there to kind of shepherd Caden Gooley, which I don't disagree with, right? Caden Gooley yeah. is a star. Like he's going oh, Kaden, to be... I cannot wait to watch Caden Gooley in a couple of years. He's going to be amazing, right? Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like he's awesome. And so, yes, he does need somebody to kind of, because he did everything on his part, right? Like Caden Gooley did all of the things he needed to do to make the NHL, right? Now the Canadians need to do all the things to make him comfortable in the NHL and to like and for him to achieve his potential like i'm totally uh blown away by how well he does but like you can you can easily mismanage an asset like that somebody like kirby doc for example which i know we're going to talk a little bit uh in our third segment but the canadians really found that coaching they found that and and so that's why i was very curious about the david quinn era because very much i feel like it's like you said like the sharks are going as slow as molasses um and they do have some players in the pipeline that i know you're excited about oh, because so you much. talk about it all the time and <laughs> i'm excited to watch them too you know like you mentioned like eklund uh bordalo robbins like so what in your mind uh do you think the like when in your mind do you think the sharks can kind of speed it up a little bit and 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 start playing those guys more days in the nhl I think uh, it'll be the trade deadline because the Sharks will be active sellers at the trade deadline, right? You know, and it'll be interesting is, you know, because a lot of these pieces like Nick Benino, Matt Nieto, guys like that who are, you know, on the last year of your deals. And you talked about earlier, the guys who kind of make sense for, they have a role, right? And you want to, we talked about the Sharks penalty kill. Those are the reason why those, the Sharks penalty kill is really good. Those guys are very good uh, as defensive forwards. You know, Nick Benino blocked, I think, a bajillion shots tonight. Um, checking the stats, he, he, yeah, he blocked a bajillion shot. You know, Matt Nieto, kind of same thing. Like those, those guys can help a team go win a championship. We saw that last year with Andrew Cogliano getting traded to the, the Avalanche. Go out there, go, you know, help kind of support their, their penalty kill good locker room guy, all that fun stuff. But again, I, the Sharks, though, their, their big issue before was they were such a kind of top heavy and not that their caps got much better, but they were such a top heavy team where you'd have to kind of try to fill the holes and fill the, the roster by either asking young players to kind of step into roles that they weren't ready for or go out and find as cheap as talent as possible. And they usually went with, with, you know, the young players, but, when you were good for a long time, humble brag, you don't have a lot of good, uh, good pipeline. You know, like you're, you're, you're just, you're trying to trade away picks to win the, you know, Stanley cup. Right. You're that's just, the price you pay, right? That's, that's the, the price, price you pay, you pay right? To win or to you contend. know, and if the sharks had won a Stanley cup, who cares? Right. You can always look to that ring or look to the banner in the, the, in be like, who, it doesn't matter right now. I, I can look at that and, you know, and unfortunately they never got there, uh, or never got, never won it, but 
you know, that, that this is the price that you have to pay uh, for that. So, you know, and I, 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 of course, I want to watch Eklund and I want to watch Bortolo and I want to watch these guys on the NHL. And I have to remind myself that you need to be patient with this, you know, um, and I think the Sharks are going to have those pieces, right? You're going to have Couture is probably going to be around here. He's still going to be here for a while. You know, Tomas Hurdle, who's beloved in the locker room, you know, an alternate captain. He's going to be here for the next eight years, right? Eric Carlson, hopefully, is going to be here for the next, you know, four plus years. Like you have guys so that can help these young guys when they get in. And then like all those guys, they have seen it all. They've done it all. You know, those guys have played in monster games. They've played in you know why these guys have played in Stanley Cup final games or they've played in Eastern or Western Conference final. Like these guys have played in big games. So that way when an Eklund or Bortolo or Robbins, they're struggling and they, they, you know, maybe something's not clicking. You can turn to one of those guys and say, Hey, what do I do now? Or, you know, get some confidence from those guys or, you know, have a guy to kind of lean on. So that way you're not having to kind of carry a franchise and kind of figure out how to play in the NHL at the same time. You can, one step at a time, right? Right. Um, and honestly, like when you're saying carrying a franchise and learning how to play in the NHL, that kind of made me a little bit nervous because, you know, that's what Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield are doing. Uh, and I know J.D. Young has some questions for me about our, our top line and how exciting they are. And I have some questions for him about Eric Carlson's phenomenal season, not on the Ottawa Senators. And that's all coming up in just one moment. All right, let's talk about my small adult sons. <laughs> well, Flash, well, you, have a, you have a couple big, and uh, Slavkovsky is a, a big, big boy too. But yes. uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I I talked about it on, on my show yesterday and how I, I like what the the Canadians are doing, right? We, you know, you have your your three guys who are going to be kind of the face of your franchise moving forward. And Slavkovsky will, will eventually kind of jump in there as well, too. You know, I like how Martin St. Louis is like, okay, you guys are, you are my three best players. Go on the front line. I'm going to give you guys all the prime opportunities. But they've also kind of earned it, too, right? That they, They've been through it. You know, we saw Cole Caulfield having to uh, play on the fourth line last year, which I'm sure was a, a super <laughs> fun experience. Uh, I don't know if you guys have uh, banned that or, or blocked that, you know, Full like men in black, wipe that out of your absolutely. Mind. But, you, um, you click the thing that looks like a pen, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's gone. So, how do you like with you know Martin St. Louis? What do you think he's done with, with these young guys to kind of instill that confidence again, learning to play in the NHL, but at the same time, balancing you're carrying the franchise at some point, right? Right. So, I think the key thing about all three of these players, and it's something that this organization has kind of uh, as, as you know, their draft decisions and their trading decisions have come to light, uh, they prize hockey intelligence, hockey IQ. And that's something that Martin St. Louis can work with, right? You can have all the skill in the world, but if your decision-making on the ice is abysmal, you're not going to get too far. So I think the fact that all three of these players can see plays ahead, uh, they can create in their minds, they can create space, they can create... Uh, opportunities, they can foresee situations, their intelligence is sort of on a similar level, putting them together made a lot of sense. Like I honestly, it wouldn't have crossed my mind before to put Kirby Doc on that line, because the focus in this market was all his failings as a center, right? Like we knew that he's picked third overall, he's drafted as a center, he's played as a center, Uh, we wanted him to be the second line center. 
And so there's obviously a lot that goes with that, right? So like the focus was like one day it was like, well, his face-offs aren't that much. And then so the argument was like the face-offs aren't as important. You can have some other guy take them on the same line or something like that, mm -hmm. which is true. Like I, I like we all felt that the face-off issue was overblown. And Jeff Gorton himself felt that the face-off issue was overblown, just so you know. He was on a <laughs> podcast and he said it. Uh, but he, I think the things like we were focusing on were the things that he wasn't living up to as a center, right? But then you take those and you put them in a winger, right? That creativity, that defensive responsibility, the amount of space he has to work with as a winger, mm -hmm. having been, you know, groomed and trained as a center, like that has really brought out a lot in him. So the Canadians kind of what they've done is that they've taken all of these players' hockey IQs and sort of try to cultivate that. At the same time, they have a skills and development coach at the same time to work on them with the little things, the like the physical skills and things like that. But Martin St. Louis is so good with the with the hockey IQ, the hockey mind, the hockey decision making, the reads. He calls them the reads. I want play, I want my players to make reads. So that's something that I think the Canadians have been really good at. And I think one thing that sort of um makes it so clear to me is the way that he dealt with Cole Caulfield, right? Like mm. he, 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 he said that, you know, you're struggling to put the puck on in the net. Your confidence is gone. Like how can you think hockey with no confidence? And I think that's something that Nick Suzuki has been phenomenal at. Like you look at that team's offensive number, that line offensive offensive numbers, clearly they're carrying the team. There's not a whole yes. lot else out there. Um, and then you look at their defensive play. And I think that the, like the, their defensive play has been sacrificed completely, but if you balance it out with secondary defense scoring, is dumb like, anyway. <laughs> defense should be optional. Yes. Um, their defensive play isn't that great. Like you'll you'll see them getting hemmed in their own zone and things like that. So you can kind of tell that their offensive creativity is being actively cultivated. And mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think like both Kirby Doc and Nick Suzuki. You know they've played center for a long time. They do have defensive responsibility. And Cole Caulfield isn't as bad as people think. Like he does, he's able to do a back check, for example. You yeah. know. But they, they do get hemmed in their own zone. So I think that that's sort of the, the, the fact that the, they take the toughest minutes, they play the toughest competition, and then they're also expected to do all the scoring. So they are a delight to watch. And I honestly, the Kirby Doc experiment has gone really, really well. When he for, was first put on the wing, people had questions, but he proved that he's really, really good up there. And his underlying numbers are phenomenal, right? He's like, he's turned out to be such a good acquisition for Montreal. And then, like, if you just consider if Slavkovsky and some of these other players that they either drafted this past year or will draft in 2023 are going to make up their second and third lines, you know, you've got Philip Mayshar who can be a top six winger. You've got, you know, you've got guys, you've got, like, our, we're saying Owen Beck ceiling a second line center, but then there's guys that the Canadians could easily pick in the top 10 this upcoming year that could be centers. So, like, I feel like their top six, once it's set, that defensive issue isn't going to be so much anymore because the player, like the Habs are going to be able to roll enough lines that they'll spread out the tough, the tough assignments. Right. So yeah. I'm not too, too worried about that, but I think the way that they've approached it is essentially leaned into hockey IQ. They've leaned into, they know these players are skilled. So they're cultivating that on the ice, like in practices and in development sessions and things like that. But then in games, like Martin St. Louis is really encouraging them to think, two steps ahead and, and you know for me it's working out so if he can replicate that with a lot of other players on the team I think it'd be phenomenal unfortunately it hasn't happened with Mike Hoffman but not everybody <laughs> you know, Mark, legend, even Mike Hoffman. Yeah. <laughs> shark um, legend, Mike Hoffman. legend yeah 
but not but, I mean, I, I, I think it's interesting, you know, with Mart- Martin St. Louis, it's not what can't you do, but what can you do? Okay, here's what you could do. How do let me put you in the best position to succeed? And I think we need more coaches like that. How many times do you just see guys kind of, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you know, and, and it just kind of ruins a player's confidence. And like, like you said, Cole Caulfield, what does he do? <laughs> He's small and he scores goals. Okay, let me put you on a line with Kirby Doc, who's like three feet taller than you, and <laughs> go have fun, right? It's like, so fun. The pictures. I, go the pictures. be small and score goals. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like I, I, I love that from from St. Louis. It's just like, okay, what what can you do for me, and let me put you in a position to succeed. And I, I think that's especially when you have a a young, you know, non, young nucleus like this. That's what you love to see. So. Yes. So I want to ask you about, you know, some of the players I love on the Sharks. For example, Eric Carlson having a wonderful year, not on the Ottawa Senators. Um, and I want I want to give you like two minutes to talk about William Eklund and say whatever you want about him. <laughs> All right, I'll start with Carlson. Um, so Eric Carlson this year has come out and has just been a man possessed this year. I, I don't know how else to explain it. He is, at one point this year, he had... Uh, you know, when the Sharks, the offense was kind of still struggling to get going. He had accounted for 50% of these Sharks points. Um, like for, of you know, so like, I think the Sharks had like 20 goals and he would have 12 points on those 20 goals type of situation where he was generating the entire offense and it's been able to kind of spread around a little bit. But I think the big thing for him is the pecking order and the defense is not clear, right? It was for years, it was kind of this dueling banjo thing between Eric Carlson and Brent Burns, who kind of gets the, you know, Brent Burns would get the kind of power play one minutes and kind of get all the, the first crack of at everything. And now it's it's Eric Carlson's show, right? It's Eric Carlson and then kind of everybody else on the blue line. And Eric Carlson gets as much power play time as he wants. He gets, you know, as much, uh, you know, five on five time. Eric Carlson gets to play as much as he wants, basically. Right. And um, I think an interesting thing with David Quinn is you've seen with his practice where he's been giving Eric Carlson a lot of maintenance days, you know, and not trying to grind him out, um, especially because he has to carry the load for the Sharks so much, but um, it's just, it's, he's fully healthy. He's super engaged and it's just a pleasure to watch him kind of do his thing, especially on the power play where he, he is the catalyst for this Sharks power play. And we saw a little bit of it tonight of him just kind of, you know, then the way the Sharks power play too, where it's not so much like, okay, Eric Carlson, you're at the point and then you're along the blue line, go do stuff. Logan Couture was playing the point for like on one of the Sharks first power play for a good like minute while Eric Carlson was kind of down along, along the half wall or playing the bumper, like just how, how creative this, this, these guys are and they just kind of interchange and, Eric Carlson again, just kind of the catalyst of of doing that, and he's just so much fun to watch when he's on. So we'll it's see how true. long it lasts, how long you can stay healthy. But uh, right now, I'm enjoying every second of Eric Carlson. Just uh, hopefully Norris winning Eric Carlson this year. How great would that be? It's honestly been it's it's interesting. Like when you allow those players that have that creativity and that skill to just do what they want. Like imagine doing that with somebody like Andre Markov or PK Subban. Like you know, I just like having that creativity and that freedom to kind of run your own show. Obviously he's earned it, right? Like, yeah. You have to earn it. You can't just like let some, you know, Matt Benning isn't out there doing the same thing, <laughs> right? You know, but it's like, like you said, you know, like David Quinn, he kind of lets these guys 
you know, I saw your face too. When I said Logan Couture was running the point, you're just kind of like, like that doesn't <laughs> make sense, right? Like that normally yeah. that wouldn't make sense, but it works because these guys have kind of played together for so long. And with Eric Carlson kind of being the trigger man for everything, he's going to, you know, most of the time he's going to make the right decision to, to put people to in a position to succeed. So that's awesome. All right. Time for you to talk about your small adult son slash large adult son. <laughs> William uh, Eklund, yeah. take William it away. E yes, William Eklund. Uh, yeah, so he's, I, I know there's there's a lot of Sharks fans who are already worried because he hasn't like been kind of lighting up. You know, he made the NHL out of last year, got to play his nine games, and they sent him back to Sweden. He had a, an abysmal season in Sweden, and he on a, a terrible, kind of like almost how the Canadians were last year, where it was just like, front office issues, players put in the wrong spot, almost kind of like Cole Caulfield last year, right? Where he's put in the wrong spot. He's asked, you know, there you have a general manager's getting fired, coach is getting fired, kind of the same type of thing, right? He's over here, he's playing the AHL right now, and kind of like how the, you know, the Canadians, you have Caulfield and Suzuki. Right now it's Eklund and Bordalo playing top line minutes together. Um, and they've been, they've been doing well. Um, Barracuda, they're not like lighting up the scoreboards, but the rookies for the Barracuda have been kind of the uh, the play drivers and the scoring guys. And William Eklund's been a joy to watch. You can see his again that creativity that we were talking about with Suzuki and and uh, Kirby Doc and Cole Caulfield. Of same thing with kind of like Bordalo and Eklund, where they just think the game much differently. And you can see the, how well they work off the, together. And then they have Tristan Robbins, who has one of the fastest shots. Um, that, that he can get a shot off lightning quick. So the three of those guys playing together has been great. And I hopefully one day that line just kind of picks itself up and puts itself in the NHL. And I don't have to watch Nick Benino on the power play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Nick Benino skated circles around some Canadians tonight. <laughs> Nick Benito and Matt Nieto on the power play in the year of our Lord 2022. Yes. So. What will they think of next? Um, it, but I can tell sometimes, like, just, just from your tweets, like, when you're watching the Sharks and when you're watching the Barracuda, like, you can tell the joy, the level of joy is very different. Um, and my level of joy, honestly, after that abysmal, really boring, really dull game has perked up just by talking to you for half an hour, <laughs> JD. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And please uh, tell our lovely listeners where they can find you, your work, and uh, if you have any fun stickers in the pipeline. Uh, no fun stickers in the pipeline. I, I've been uh, very busy with everything else unfortunately so yeah i might have to to kind of dig up the sticker shop uh, again but yeah it's uh too much too much writing too much podcasts all that fun <laughs> stuff so uh but yeah you can find uh of course the show locked on sharks uh, wherever you get podcasts and of course on youtube and uh the show twitter facebook instagram at locked on sharks you can find me at my fry hole i also uh write a lot for fear the fin uh somehow i got suckered into that so yeah you can see a lot of <laughs> stuff on there uh, a lot of people liked my headline for the uh, i did the canadians preview so a lot of people liked my headline for that so. what was the headline i just i saw that you posted that you were comparing the rebuilds hold on a second no you have to look at the fear the fin one yeah so i am uh, I'm a, yeah, i follow you the lockdown sharks instagram and then I, I know you posted all right hold on i'm gonna read this she's looking at <laughs> Sharks at Canadians. Saviez-vous que Vlasic est de Montréal? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was told it was an incredible headline, so. It, it's perfect. It is. Yes. It's really perfect, um, especially for our listeners. And so thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. You know, again, I knew this game was going to be awful, so I, I did want to have like a pick-me-up after that, just 
not just even for my listeners, for me. <laughs> so I really appreciate this time. And if you, uh, obviously, if you like this podcast, please subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You'll find me at The Active Stick. You'll find Scott at Scott Matla. You can email us, mailbag. on questions. vacation and better not be doing work, Scott. We will bully you. <laughs> He's going to get yelled at, I think, again. He, he's mm-hmm. incapable of not working. But if you want to find him pretending to be on vacation, he's at Scott Matla. Uh, you can also email us uh, at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com and leave us mailbag questions in our YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow.